Let's talk about it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to today's episode of Let's Talk About It. This is a solo episode that I never thought that I would be recording. Um, I really never thought that I would be using my name and the word cancer in the same sentence, aside from people in my life who have, you know, fought cancer and lost their battle to cancer. Um, but unfortunately I have been diagnosed with cancer and, um, this past month has been fucking wild. Um, and I just kind of wanted to come on here and share my story from beginning to end, what I've been through this past month, um, the signs, what was going on, the testing, the diagnosis, our plan, surgery, um, and just a little bit more about thyroid cancer in general. Um, because if I'm honest, before this, I knew nothing about thyroid cancer and I literally didn't even know where my thyroid was in my body, if I'm honest with you. Um, I just was not aware. I've always had perfect blood work. Um, I've never had any thyroid issues whatsoever. And so this has been just a big shock. I'd say that's like the best way to describe how I feel is just genuinely, I feel shocked. Um, you guys probably know by now, if you've been following me a while, I'm a super emotional person. I can cry over literally anything. And just to kind of put into perspective how shocked I am, I haven't even like cried about it. Um, I think the first time when I called Ellery and said, you need to come home, it's cancer. I think I was, you know, I had a little bit of tears and I was a little bit panicked. Um, but I just haven't even really had time to kind of process this whole thing. So it really has happened very quickly. Um, just to kind of give you a rundown of the date, the day that I had my physical, um, and I'll go through all this, but the day that I had the physical was January 10th. A week later, I had the ultrasound of my thyroid on January 17th. Then I had the fine needle biopsy on January 23rd. And then I was diagnosed with papillary thyroid carcinoma on January 29th. So it was really only like 19 days between when they found my tumor and then when they diagnosed it with diagnosed me with cancer. So, um, it does feel like it's been an eternity, but it's so funny because everyone's going, um, has been going through this month saying, oh my gosh, like January has been the slowest month. It's always like this every year. And it's just wild because I have been so overwhelmingly obsessed and just taken over by this whole health situation that I literally feel like it's been, I don't even know if January happened like at, at this point, like it went by so fast for me. And I just really feel a lot more peace now knowing kind of what is going on than I did during the waiting period when I literally didn't know what was happening. So let's kind of go back and tell this whole story from the beginning and you guys can have a little bit better of an understanding of kind of what has happened. So I have been experiencing quite a bit of anxiety and depression. In December, I was in a really bad place. I was like, not okay. I was like, this is not normal. Um, I never really thought that I had anxiety. I thought based on people in my family and a few of my really close friends that have anxiety, they always would describe it as this physical, oh, there's an elephant sitting on my chest and I am having trouble breathing or you know, whatever. And I never had those things. So I always assumed, well, I don't have anxiety then because I don't have those symptoms. And since, <laughs> since then, and after doing a lot of research, I've obviously learned that it can manifest in many different ways. And it's a very multifaceted kind of, um, you know, diagnosis where you can have just all different varying types of anxiety. So I was really struggling in December, like not okay, mental breakdown, screaming at my kids all day, like just over nothing. Like they would spill a drink and I would just lose my shit, like not normal. And Ellery was at work during this usually and wouldn't really witness it. And I would text him and be like, I am not okay. Like just so incredibly agitated to, to a degree that I've never been before, just completely wanted to crawl out of my skin. I, I don't know how else to describe it. Just, I felt suffocated in my own body. It was really wild. And so 
I said to him, I need help. I would text a few of my best friends. I need help. Something is not right. I am not okay. I'm having really dark thoughts and I'm, this is not okay. Like I need to go back to therapy and actually get, you know, get consistent with it and see someone in person. I need to try medication and I need to get my shit together. Like I need to go to the doctor. So that day at the end of December, I called my general, you know, physician and booked an appointment with him to discuss anxiety medication. Of course he was booked out for three weeks. So they booked me an appointment for January 10th. This was like the end of December. So it was a couple weeks out. I called, I booked it and that was it. And about a few days later, I had talked to another friend of mine who um, started Lexapro and has had incredible results from that. And she mentioned the um, website hers, which is essentially like an online kind of psychiatrist um, where you're able to fill out questionnaires and they're actually able to prescribe you medication online. So obviously I was like just so overwhelmed and needing help that I did it. I got on and they immediately prescribed me the medication. So I start taking the medication and I, after the first couple of days, I, I kind of started feeling like I was coming out of this dark cloud and I noticed a huge difference, especially in my reactiveness. Oh my gosh. Like my yelling has decreased by like 75 or 80%. It's absolutely incredible and such a gift. So I start feeling better as the weeks go on. And I remember the day before this scheduled physical on January 10th, I thought, I don't need to go to this appointment anymore. I don't need to go to this appointment anymore. It, it doesn't, why would I go? Like I have the medication um, and I'm feeling so much better. And something inside of me, and I always trust my gut. I'm a very intuitive person. I'm a very, I just like feel things. And I just felt so strongly you need to go and get checked physically. You need to see someone in person. Um, I hadn't had a physical since having Quinn and he's about to be two in April. So I have been to the doctors. I've been, you know, I've been to, um, urgent cares for strep throat and sinus infections. I've been to the, um, my OB. I just haven't had a physical. So I go to the appointment it's morning, a really early morning appointment. They, I know that I wanted to request blood work because I wanted to make sure that nothing was off hormonally um, or that was maybe causing this anxiety and depression. I wanted to check my thyroid. I wanted to check my cortisol, all those things. And I love getting blood work done. I just you know, hadn't gotten it done in a, in a while. So I go and of course, my typical doctor that I see is not available. So I see a nurse practitioner, a woman I've never met before. She's an older woman and she comes in the room. She does the whole thing, my blood pressure, all that, and asks me questions. And we start talking about the anxiety and depression. I explained why I had made the appointment and how I was able to start medication and how I already was noticing a difference after a few weeks. And I said, if I'm honest, I don't really even need to be here because the whole reason I wanted to come was to get prescribed medication, which I've already done somewhere else. And she said, okay, well, let's just have you sit on the chair and, you know, I'm going to check, check your body. So she checks my heart, my lungs. Um, she checks my stomach. And then she starts, you know, palpating my neck and asks me to lift my neck and starts feeling. And then she stops here on this, on this big lump, which you guys can't see right now. But when I have my head tilted back, you can feel this very obvious protruding lump. And she said, how long has this been here? And I said, how long has what been there? And I thought she was like feeling like my Adam's apple, but it was more towards the right of that. And she said, you have a large lump on your thyroid. And I said, I didn't even know that was my thyroid. And she said, well, when you have a healthy thyroid, you, you don't feel it, right? Like it's not something that you feel unless there's something going on. And I said, okay. And so then she feels it again and she's kind of like pushing on it and moving it around. And she says, yeah, we need to uh, get this looked at. And I said, okay, do I need to be concerned? And she looked at me and she said, not yet. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what the ultrasound shows. And I immediately just, my heart sank and I panicked and I am definitely an extreme dramatic person. So the second that she said, I feel a lump on your thyroid, I Google lump on thyroid and immediately I see thyroid nodules. I had never heard of this. Okay. And 
I start looking and it says, oh, well, this is super common. 90% of the time, 90 to 90%, 90 to 95% of the time, these are benign. And I think it's 60 to 70% of adults by the age of 50 will have a thyroid nodule. But again, typically they're harmless and they are very small and they're not a problem. You would not feel them on your thyroid if they were super small and um, you only feel them to the touch outside of your neck if they're large enough and they've been growing for a long enough time to get that big. So I immediately texted Ellery and I have the text and it says, she found something on my thyroid. I, I They're sending me for an ultrasound. I, I'm freaking out. What if it's cancer? Do you think it's cancer? Please, I, I, it can't be cancer. And I just immediately went to the darkest, I mean, the worst case scenario is that it's cancer. Um, and he literally was like, it's not cancer. There's no way. Like it's, it's not baby. That's what he said. He's like, there's just no way. And I really do tend to, again, be dramatic, go to the extreme, always think the worst. And I'm just like a panicky person when it comes to getting bad news. And do I think that that's trauma trauma related because my dad has died of cancer? Yes. My uncle has died of cancer. My grandfather is currently battling cancer. And so it's a very sensitive, you know, word and topic to begin with. It's very hard for me. Of course, when I think of cancer, I think of deadly cancers and cancers that, you know, took my dad and, you know, I watched him wither away to nothing in a matter of days and, you know, watched him take his last breath and that changed my life. And I think I just, it's just a really scary disease that I don't think we have a lot of information about. Um, I mean, I've learned a lot about it since, (laughs) since all this, but it still is just a very, very overwhelming, um, thought that it could even be a potential that you could have cancer. I mean, what the heck? And so, you know, I'm just absolutely going insane. Like, researching and reading and watching YouTube videos and reading about other young, young, you know, I'm searching young girls, um, thyroid nodule, like didn't know it was there. And all these stories are coming up about other girls who are young, which I had no idea that there is number one, multiple types of thyroid cancer. And the one that I ended up being diagnosed with is most common in women. And it's most common in young women from ages like 20 to 50. So I was just like, wait a minute. I'm a huge Love Island fan. My husband and I are actually obsessed mostly with UK and also Australia. And there was a girl named Demi on one of these seasons. And long story short, while she was on the show, people started DMing her saying, hey, I think that there's a lump on your neck. Hey, your neck looks enlarged. Like you really need to go get that checked out. So she got off the show and was like, what the heck? So it took her six months because this was during COVID to actually get in to see a doctor and after all the tests, the same test that I did, they she did an ultrasound. They said that it didn't look concerning, even though it was super big. She, hers was almost the exact same size as mine. They also said that my ultrasound was low suspicious, that they did not believe that it was cancer. And sure enough, it was cancer. And so I'm reading all these articles and these stories about these young girls who had zero symptoms, literally none, perfect blood work. My blood work has always been perfect. I don't have hyperthyroidism. I don't have hypothyroidism. I don't have any issues with blood work. I I don't have Graves' disease. I don't have PCOS. I don't have anything, nothing. And this cancer is known for having no symptoms. A lot of times it's found two ways. One, just how mine was, either the person feels it themselves or it's found by a doctor accidentally or a dentist or an OB or something like that. Or they're getting imaging for something else unrelated, a CT scan, maybe they were in a car accident and they're getting an ultrasound of their neck or whatever. And then they see, oh, you have a nodule on your thyroid. We need to check that. So it's literally crazy, the stories I've read. I mean, every testimonial online, I think in for the first 10 pages of Google, I have read every single article. I've read every single story. I've read every single report. I've read, I've looked at 
for hours. Once I got my ultrasound images back, guys, I was literally comparing my ultrasound images to hundreds of other ultrasound images that were, you know, benign cysts, this type of cancer, that type of cancer, you know, it just, it it consumed me from the very beginning. I had a very strong feeling that it was cancer. And I like, everyone I spoke to was like, there's just no way, like there's just no way. And of course they were trying to encourage me, which I appreciate, but they just, it was totally like, there's no way that's not even a possibility. Like don't get ahead of yourself. You haven't even had the ultrasound. So they schedule me for the ultrasound January 17th. So I go to the uh, radiologist department right outside of Henry Mayo, which is our local hospital. I'd been there before um, to get other types of ultrasounds. So I go in and as you guys know, ultrasound techs are not allowed to give any information. They can't like tell you if they see anything suspicious, like they're not allowed to kind of say anything. So they're very hush hush. Um, but I have heard of some people whose radiologists our radiology techs do tell them stuff when they're not supposed to. Um, so it just kind of depends who you get, but I go in and obviously I'm so nervous. Um, they do the ultrasound and like, I could feel her, you know, putting the wand like directly on the nodule, like multiple times for a long period of time. She was measuring a lot of things, pushing on it, you know, up and down and just kind of, you could tell that she was paying close attention to that area. So part of me was hoping in the beginning, like maybe this woman is like, just found something that's like, maybe it's just the way that my anatomy is. Maybe it's just the way my neck is. Like maybe there's just a bump there. I don't know. I was just hoping that it was like nothing crazy, but I could tell at the ultrasound that it was obvious that she was, you know, wanting to get good images of that specific lump. So of course she doesn't say a thing. She won't answer any of my questions. She's like, I can't say anything, can't say anything. And I'm like, oh, whatever. So I leave and I'm just so sick with worry during this waiting time. There was a week in between the physical and the ultrasound. And then there's, you know, five days in between the ultrasound and the biopsy. And I'm just sick. I can't sleep. I can't eat. I can't do anything. I'm just consumed with the unknown and the worry and the fear and the waiting and the anxiety and just an overwhelming sense of uneasiness and just not feeling like, how could this be going on in my body? And like me not know, I am incredibly in tune with my body. Um, I literally know that I'm pregnant before like weeks before I get a positive pregnancy test with both kids. I knew days after conception that I was pregnant and everyone around me thought I was nuts And I knew literally, I was like, you watch, mark my words in two weeks, I'm going to get a positive pregnancy test. And sure enough, I did both times. Like I'm very, very, very in tune with my body. Um, And I just felt very tricked by my body. Like how could this be happening underneath my nose? And I didn't even know. I just felt uncomfortable in my own skin, if that makes sense. So the next day after the ultrasound, Um, I was home, Ellery was home and we are like, I'm checking my portal, like a crazy person, like checking to see if they've uploaded the results, checking to see, checking to see. And I'm just like, I just was so scared. And so I just like wanted confirmation that it was something, but also was praying that it wasn't. And so that next day, again, we were waiting and waiting. And finally I saw that the results were uploaded. So I opened it and it said low suspicion, which means they don't suspect that it's cancer, large 4.4 thyroid nodule, isoechoic, which is the type of, um, just the type of nodule that it is, which meant it was mostly solid. So if it's a cystic nodule, that means it's filled with fluid. It's like 99.9% sure that it's not going to be cancer. But if it's a solid nodule, then it's broken down into categories based on different characteristics that can make it more or less likely that it's cancer. So they said low suspicion, meaning mine didn't seem to have any of the really, you know, cancery characteristics that they typically look for, which could be calcifications, um, a thick halo, an irregular border, um, taller versus wider in terms of the measurement, which mine actually was slightly taller versus wider, but for some reason, um, they didn't characterize it as that. Either way, they said based on the radiologist that looked at it, which I'll get to an interesting point about this later, um, they said it was low suspicion. 
but because of the size. So let's just put into perspective the size situation. So it's 4.4 centimeters. So an average thyroid nodule, most people's thyroid nodules are one centimeter-ish. Anything over one centimeter is when they'll biopsy it. Anything over four centimeters, they will biopsy it no matter what, simply due to the size of it. So one centimeter is average, four centimeters and higher is like very large. Okay. So an example would be a normal size thyroid would maybe like a typical size thyroid nodule would be maybe say the size of a jelly bean and mine is the size of like a ping pong ball. So just so that you understand, like it's, it's very large, like on my thyroid, it takes over the entire right side of the thyroid. It's completely, there is no right lobe anymore of the thyroid. It's just completely taken over by the tumor. So even though they saw quote unquote, no suspicious characteristics in my ultrasound, they said, we are going to order and encourage you to do a fine needle aspiration biopsy based on the size alone. So obviously that was not good news. In my heart, I was thinking, and I didn't even like when they said low suspicion and already kept reiterating, babe, it says low suspicion. It says low. But I said, I don't give a shit because I've read now dozens of stories of people who also said that they, that their findings on the ultrasound said low suspicion. And it turned out that it was cancer. So I think that's a bunch of bullshit. I think sometimes, of course, there can be immediately when they look at the ultrasound, they're like, this is cancer. I know that there are cases like that, but I think that it's kind of unfair for them to categorize it as low suspicion when a lot of times that doesn't matter clearly because like my doctor was shocked that it came back cancerous based on the ultrasound results. So That was like, again, obviously I would rather have it said low suspicion than high suspicion, but in my head, it was still bad news because I thought, okay, now I have to do another, you know, thing. I have to do this biopsy. I've read that it's painful. I hate needles. They're not going to let Ellery come in the room with me. And, um, I just don't want to do this. Like, this is freaking scary. And so that was like a really hard day and we were really scared. And now like, I just was convinced that it was cancer. And Ellery was just like, you don't know that. Like, and at that point from what I had Googled on thyroidcancer.com and PubMed and all the medical, you know, journals and people who have done like really intense studies on different types of thyroid nodules and the dangers of them. Basically the general consensus is that if you have a thyroid nodule that is larger than four centimeters, you should most likely get it removed. Now it's really great because you don't need a full thyroidectomy in every case. Oftentimes if you have a benign thyroid nodule, meaning not cancer, but it's very big like mine, four centimeters or larger, you can just get a partial lobectomy, which is just taking out the lobe that has the large nodule on it. So say if it was in my case, if mine was not cancer, they would have probably just removed the right side of the thyroid with the nodule and then left the left side of the thyroid so that you had thyroid function as normal. Um, And so... At that point, Ellery and I were kind of already, you know, in agreement that, well, we're most likely going to need a surgery no matter what, because even if it isn't cancer, like we, I kind of just want this thing out of me. Right. I I just like want this gone. Um, so, you know, and I'm young and like the likelihood that it's going to continue growing, it's already constrict. Like if I press on it where the nodule is, I feel it constricting my airway. That's how like large it is that it's starting to kind of protrude into areas that it's not supposed to be. So, we already kind of had accepted that I was most likely going to need a surgery of some kind, but it still didn't matter to me because I just, I needed to know if it was cancer and I just could not shake this, like just this feeling that it was, and I needed to know. So we initially were going to see an endocrinologist locally in town. And then a friend of mine had recommended Dr. Ye at UCLA. And immediately we called him and got in to see a doctor there um, on January 23rd. And I was not initially supposed to do the fine needle biopsy there. But once I got there, once he did another ultrasound, and once we talked more, he really wanted to be able to do it there himself in office and then have their cytologist do all of the determination, whether it was cancer or not, because, you know, they have a state of the art, um, you know, program and 
and they also do really intense, um, you know, DNA testing and just like a, it's like a next level, you know, UCLA is, is really well known and they have an incredible medical department and this is the head of endocrine surgery. So they, they know their shit. Um, and so mind you, (laughs) Ellery, the night before this appointment, this was a Tuesday morning, the night before this, he woke up at 3am with what we thought was food poisoning. We now have realized that it was most likely the stomach flu because we then all got sick a week later. But so he's up absolutely so ill. I can't explain it. So I was up with him all night from 3am on. And then I have to leave to drive into LA to get to this appointment, which is in Westwood and, you know, rush hour traffic in LA. It's like going to take an hour and a half. Um, is it rush hour when it's the morning? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Morning traffic, getting into work, whatever that is. And he's just so sick. Like I I just cannot explain it. And so I'm just like, this is the worst timing ever. He would have been able to come to that appointment with me, but I didn't know I was doing the biopsy. And so I ended up having to do the biopsy there when I, you know, by myself, which whatever it is what it is. And long story short, they take a very hollow, long, big needle and um, first they numb you. They, they numbed me at least. Thank God. They put like a needle in with numbing agent and then they numb the area. Um, and then they went into the nodule or the tumor, whatever you want to call it four separate times to get different tissues, to be able to suck out some of the cells. And then they basically put it on a little slide and then they put it underneath the microscope and then they're able to look for, characteristics of cancer. And, uh, which I've done again, I've done so much research guys. Like I can't tell you the hours I've spent, like looking at cytology slides of, you know, papillary thyroid carcinoma and like looking at the little cells and (laughs) thinking that I'm going to fucking know what I'm looking at, which I, now I do because I've done so much looking and researching, but that's kind of the process. It hurts. It, I get really weird when it comes to needles, anything, blood, talking about anything. It makes me really queasy. I go really, really, really sweaty. I feel like I'm going to pass out. My heart starts racing. Um, and it's awful. So they give me like a cool pack. I'm like, I feel like I'm going to pass out. I feel like I'm going to throw up. And he's like, are you? And I was like, I don't think so, but I feel like I am. And so after a couple minutes, I cooled down like I always do. And I was fine, but it, it was not fun. It was not fun. Close your eyes. Do not look because if you look at the needle, it's going to freak you out. Um, it just feels very invasive when it's on your neck, right? Like, okay, yes, I've had two epidurals with my babies and all of that. I've had needles, you know, when you get blood work or whatever, when it's in your neck, like it's just a very private place that feels very uh, yucky. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, so that was a Tuesday and I said, okay, when am I going to get these results? And he said, there's a chance you could get them before the weekend on Friday, but if not, definitely by Monday. So I'm like, oh God, please come on Friday. Please come on Friday so that I'm not waiting. And I'm just waiting, waiting, waiting. And we're just so like, I'm just on the edge of my seat every second, just like waiting for these results. And I said, okay, well, will you call me or will you upload them onto the portal? And he said, well, do you have a preference? And I was like, well, would you really just upload like that I have cancer onto the freaking UCLA portal? And he was like, well, if I'm in a surgery and the results come back before I'm able to call you, then yeah. And I was like, okay. And he's like, well, would you rather like me only call you? And I was like, no, I don't know. I just, just give me the results as soon as you can. And so I was just like waiting on the edge of my seat, not knowing like if I was going to get a call, if I wasn't. And it was brutal. So that was the 23rd. So come Friday comes and Friday goes. And I'm like, mother, like I wanted them so badly to come before the weekends that I didn't need to like just wait the whole weekend. And unfortunately that didn't happen. So mind you, let me just add this little tidbit in Saturday. We have our friends coming over, making margaritas. We're doing a barbecue, la 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 three o'clock on the dot. Lucas starts throwing up and does not stop until 11 PM. Every 30 minutes throws up, throws up, throws up, just water, just miserable. Like basically exactly like Ellery was. So I was like, okay, lovely. That was not food poisoning. Like we 
thought it was. It's definitely the stomach flu and it's now in our house and I'm going to get it next. And for those that don't know, I have a severe fear of throwing up like myself. And I was like, this is just freaking lovely. Like this is just exactly what we need. So that was Saturday. So she's throwing up all night Saturday. She's so sick again on Sunday, like can't eat anything, ends up getting pink eye. So now she had the stomach flu and pink eye. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, this is just lovely. So Monday comes. I thought she was going to be feeling better. She ends up throwing up again Monday morning and we're like, what the heck? So I had an OB appointment that morning and I needed to go. So Ellery stayed with her in bed. Our nanny came to stay with Quinn and Luca was just in my bed and I start feeling so nauseous. So I'm like, okay, this is it. I know that I'm going to get sick. Thankfully, Luca's doctor called her in a prescription for Zofran. And I was like, you bet your ass I'm taking this immediately. So I picked it up and obviously gave some to Luca, but I started taking it too. Cause I was like, this will help me. This will help me. My stomach starts just by the hour getting, you know how it is. Like when you get the stomach flu, you just, it's just like the stomach pain and like the, the nausea just like rolls in. And I'm just like, dude, like, oh no. And so that morning on my way to my OB appointment, I called the UCLA. I called the uh, endocrinologist and I said, um, you know, my doctor had said that the results might possibly be out on Friday. And if not, they'd be here Monday. Like, can you just check and see if he has the results? Like, can he possibly call me? Like just going crazy, you know? And I, she pauses and she's like, um, we have the results, but I will message the doctor now and see if he can call you to go over them. And I, and like, you know, I'm trying to pick apart every word and like check out her tone. And like, is she trying to say that like, it's a good result or, and I'm just, you know, so thinking into it. And, um, I'm like, okay, please like have him call me like whatever. So I knew that the results were in because she said that they were, and that she was going to have him call me to discuss the results. So at least I knew that I was going to get a call hopefully at some point that day. So I pick up her Zofran. I, I finish my OB thing. I go back home. I'm trying to do client check-ins in bed and I can just feel it like creeping closer. I text Ellery who was at the office for the first time in a week. And I was like, I'm going to get the stomach flu. I'm just waiting to start throwing up at this point. Like I'm, I'm not well. And all my friends are texting me. Have you gotten results? Have you heard from the doctor? Have you heard from the doctor? No, no, no. You know, it's one o'clock in the afternoon at this point. And I start needing to go to the bathroom. (laughs) I'll keep it PG on here for all my poop shy friends. And I'm just sitting on the toilet. Just it's not pretty. Okay. It's not pretty. Luca's in my bed watching TV and I'm just sitting on the toilet and I get a phone call and it was like 2.05 PM and it's UCLA and I'm sitting on the toilet And don't you love when it feels like it's going to come out both sides because that's what happens when you have the stomach flu, right? And I'm sitting on the toilet with a trash can in front of me and I answer the phone and I'm like, hi. And he was like, hi, Lexus. You know, this is Dr. Da-da-da. And um, have you had a chance to look at your portal? And I said, well, I've checked it like 1,022 times today, but I haven't, you know, seen any result yet. And he's like, okay, well, the result is on, but I wanted to call you first. And I, in that moment, like I just knew what what he was going to say. And I said, okay. And he said, I'm shocked that it came back as papillary thyroid carcinoma. And I just knew. So it was like this weird feeling of complete and utter disbelief, but also the confirmation that I like I, that I already knew was coming. It, it was the weirdest feeling. And I just said, okay. And he went, you're awfully calm. Usually when I call people, they're crying and they're, you know, they're freaking out. And I said, I got to be really honest with you right now. I'm on the toilet throwing up. I'm about to throw up and I caught my daughter's stomach flu and I've been so sick the past like couple hours waiting for you to call. And this is just a really bad time. (laughs) And I could just feel my mouth starting to water, feel myself about to throw up. And he was like, are you serious? Like who, who gets the stomach flu on a day that they're diagnosed with cancer? And I said, I have no idea. 
and he was like, okay, please, like, you, you, you need to go, like, we'll schedule a Zoom, like, telehealth appointment tomorrow to go over everything. Like, please don't worry. Like, I'm so sorry about this. Like, I'm so sorry to have to call you and you're young and you're going to be okay. And I know it's so terrifying. And, and I'm just like, I can't focus because I just know that I'm about to throw up. And again, don't forget, I have a fear of throwing up. So this is like a big deal for me. And I'm just like, okay, okay, yeah, okay, bye. And like hang up and just immediately just vomit into the trash can, like just so aggressively. And I'm just like, is this real life? Is this really happening? Like, did he just say that I have cancer? Like what is going on? And that was the moment when I immediately called Ellery and kind of was like, like you need, you need to come home. Like this isn't, and that was it. And that was like the most emotional I've gotten throughout this whole thing. And he like leaves, you know, his office immediately and like rushes out and comes home and is calling me. And, you know, he's so upset, poor thing. Um, I think that's the hardest thing for me, just being someone who's always just, I don't know. I just really care about other people's emotions and I really care about taking care of my people. And so when something happens to me and they're just obviously emotional and crying and my I have to call my brother and my grandparents and people that are just like, my family, you know, and my friends. And they're just like so distraught and just heartbroken and shocked. And it's just a lot. It's a lot. Um, and it still just feels so surreal that I'm even having this conversation and it's about me and it's not about someone else. Um, yeah, it's just not something that I expected for, for my year, but, um, here we are. So, I died that whole night. I just was like, thank God for Zofran. Like I kept popping them every four hours and I only ended up throwing up that one time. And then I was on the toilet, like, you know, for at least a day. And then I couldn't eat for like a few days. And I definitely was like, you know, I was out, but I was nothing like the vomiting that like Ellery and Luca had. And I know for a fact that that is because I was just eating Zofran like candy. So I am definitely going to get a large prescription of that to have on hand at all times because I actually was prescribed that during Quinn's pregnancy, but never filled a prescription because I just was too freaking stubborn and didn't want to take anything for my nausea. But now having like been that sick and seen how helpful it is, I'm like, holy shit, like I need to freaking get some of that. I, we still have some left over, but I want like a hundred tablets so that if I'm ever dying, like I, you need that on deck. Let me tell you. So it was just a very, very hard day because I was basically making my nanny and Quinn stay completely away from us. I was like, do not come near me. Um, plus I was trying to process things and I have a million text messages and friends calling me and people crying. And it's just, it was like, it felt like I was in a bad dream movie, like just living in this weird, I couldn't like, I was so sick. I had a heating pad on me and I was like, had cramps and I was in the fetal position and I was just like, what is happening? And now that I'm like a week out and I'm able to kind of process things, I genuinely believe that God did that on purpose because he knows how much I freaking hate throwing up. And I think it just, it consumes me like so much because I'm so freaked out by it that I think it really did me well because I think that if I hadn't have had that stomach flu happening at the exact same time, I think that day would have been way more emotionally driven. I would have been panicking and crying and freaking out and just like very, you know, um, irrationally emotional. And I wasn't like that at all. I was literally just silent and in shock and just kind of like, I don't feel good because I just couldn't focus on what I had just learned. I was literally just trying to like survive and not poop everywhere. And, um, yeah, again, I think that that timing was, was definitely not, um, a coincidence. I, I think that it was definitely on purpose. So, um, it's just been a lot of processing, a lot of decision-making, you know, trying to decide where we're going to go for surgery. We have since decided that we are going to go with UCLA. Um, I actually just scheduled the surgery today for March 7th. So we're almost exactly one month out, um, which really is perfect because I'm traveling for work to Dallas on the 22nd of February. We have something going on March 2nd um, to celebrate our anniversary. And then the surgery will be that next week. So it really is great in terms of timing. I have some preoperative stuff I need to get done uh, before then. and um, 
yeah, I've, I've never had a surgery in my life. I've never had, I've never even broken a bone. So for me, I'm just like, whoa, I need to be like, I obviously I stayed in the hospital when I had my babies. Um, but yeah, it's a lot. So essentially, you know, once we had another call with the endocrinologist the next day, the discussion was obviously this is, you know, it's a requirement that you get a full thyroidectomy. You're not able to save any of your thyroid because the cancer is so large. Um, you need a full thyroidectomy, which means full removal of the thyroid. You will be on synthetic thyroid medication for the rest of your life. Um, it is, you have to have it because the thyroid is such a huge, huge, um, you know, organ that has so many different vital jobs and, you know, metabolism and being able to control your temperature and, um, stress and weight management and their hair, a lot of different things that it affects. I really, again, have never had any thyroid issues. So obviously I have a lot of clients that do. So I know some things, but I'm just not not, you know, a thyroid expert or I wasn't before this. Let me put it that way. Um, and so, you know, they said, we will definitely need to do a full thyroidectomy. Once we get in there and open you up, we will be able to see if it has metastasized to any lymph nodes in the surrounding areas, in the neck, in the chest. Obviously, hopefully it's not. And, you know, as of now, they don't see anything on the ultrasound, um, in terms of lymph nodes that are involved, but I don't, you know, take that. I don't trust that at all, especially now after they literally said two different people who looked at the imaging said low diagnose or I'm sorry, low suspicion. And then it ended up being cancer. So it's like, well, I don't freaking trust your ultrasounds now. So, you know, who knows if it's in the lymph nodes or not. They said that they will not know until they're in surgery. So obviously I am, it's a huge prayer um, for me that it's not involving my lymph nodes because obviously your lymph system goes throughout your entire body and that that just is a really scary thought. Um they do say that everyone's rate of growth in, in terms of their tumor it varies person to person. Sometimes you have a um papillary carcinoma that is more slow growing or more fast growing, so it just depends, but I did get confirmation that they kind of assume when they look at a large thyroid nodule, that it's one centimeter per year in terms of growth, which means it's potentially possible that this nodule has been growing for four and a half years without me knowing about it. Maybe it's a little bit faster or maybe it's a little bit less time. Maybe, you know, it just grew faster, but it could be that it's been growing, you know, four to five years. And that to me is just mind blowing. Like, it makes me feel so weird. And like, I've just obviously gone back and looked at photos and like, how long has this been here? How can I notice it when I'm talking in this video? It just, it just feels weird. You know, it just feels weird. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, and so once they take out the entire thyroid, they will send it and the cancer to pathology and it will take about a week to get those results. So they'll be able to see, you know, what type of papillary carcinoma it is. They'll be able to stage it. They will, they'll be able to see if it's invaded any, um, you know, borders of any, um, areas nearby blood vessels. Um, if it's contained, if it's not contained. So all of that information that I'm really, really interested to know will be, um, determined after they send it to pathology, after the removal, after the surgery. Um, so I will be checking into the hospital at seven 30 in the morning. My surgery is set for nine 30. They say that it should be about two, two and a half hours. Um, if they don't need to do any lymph node removal, if they do, or any neck dissection or anything like that, it would be a longer procedure. Um, I was considering going to Florida to do it at the Clayman Thyroid Center because they do a scarless robotic surgery. And I actually have a few people that I'm friends with and have spoken to that did it with, um, Dr. Sa there and had incredible experiences, but obviously I live in California. So traveling to Florida with two small toddlers, it's just the logistics of it. It's kind of complicated. Um, and for some reason, the robotic surgery thing kind of freaks me out. Like I think I feel a little bit more confident having a normal person do a normal surgery. I don't know. It just feels a little weird. So we decided against that. We're going to stay local. We're going to go to UCLA. Um, I have such an incredible support system here. I have friends, I have a nanny, I have everyone, you know, my mother-in-law who will be with me, you know, at the hospital and things like that. So I'll be there all day, I'll sleep over. And then as long as my calcium levels are fine, I should be able to go home that following day. Um, 
there are risks in this surgery. I think that's what I want to be praying for the most. And what I'm most uneasy about is that there is a risk for permanent damage to your voice and or vocal cords. Um, it's your vocal cords sit like literally right next to you or on top of or whatever your thyroid. And so they kind of need to move things around when they're removing it. And there can be damage to the nerves. It can be temporary um, or it can be permanent. And I have had conversations with people where they did have permanent damage and either loss of voice or just permanent change in their voice. And that really fucking terrifies me. Um, As someone who (laughs) lives to talk, I think that is very, very, very scary for me. Um, And so that's what I'm praying for specifically in this surgery is no damage to the voice box, the esophagus, the vocal cords, and the parathyroid. So um, your parathyroid is the glands um, that are behind your thyroid that control calcium levels. And um, I also have spoken to people who have had their parathyroid damaged, one or both, and it's caused a slew of issues. They had to get like calcium drips and they're on a calcium supplement forever. And they're constantly having these weird symptoms like face, um, like numbness and paralysis and just really weird stuff that I really don't want. So I'm just praying that, you know, nothing goes wrong, that it's a very routine procedure that they get in, they get out and that nothing is affected along the lo- like along the way, because that's just really hard for me to think about. Um, And, you know, I'll probably be out of work for about a week or so, um, resting. I'm obviously going to have a scar on my neck. Hopefully he does a fantastic job and the scar heals beautifully. It is what it is. Um, I'm not going to be ashamed of it because it's just part of my story. So, um, I'm trying to think of what else I'm missing. Oh, the only other like little tidbit of information I wanted to give you guys in regards to them saying that my ultrasound was low suspicion was I had sent the images to a friend in Maine, um, someone I went to high school with who is a radiology tech. And she had said, mm, you know, I'm not like a hundred percent agreeing with what they say because I see, you know, a little bit of calcifications in this photo. I see a little bit of, um, you know, a halo or ill margins in this photo. And I said, you're so right. I agree with you. I've been thinking the same thing. Like, is there a chance that they could have gotten this wrong and that they labeled it low suspicion incorrectly? And she was like, oh, you know, like, I don't know. You know, she didn't really say one way or the other, but we were kind of just discussing what we thought. And I said, I totally agree with you. And I'm glad that you are kind of, you know, making me feel better. And then someone on Instagram had reached out to me after I had posted the photo of my specific, um, ultrasounds. And she said, I'm so surprised that they labeled it low suspicion. My daughter is a radiologist and I sent these pictures or I sent screenshots of your stories to her. And she said that she knew right away by looking at them that they didn't look good. And I said, really tell me more. And she said, and she listed off again, a few different, um, you know, characteristics that she saw that do, typically mean cancer. And I said, I can't believe you're saying this. I thought the same thing. I don't understand why they aren't seeing what we're seeing and da, 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 da. And she said, yeah, like she, she was, you know, not, she was not feeling good about them when she looked at them right away. She said like, uh, this doesn't, this doesn't look good. And so I just want to share that not to bash the radiologist, not to say that they did anything wrong or or that I'm gonna, you know, whatever it's, it's simply for, it bothered me. It bothered me that they said that it was low suspicion and that it ended up being cancer. For some reason, it just rubs me the wrong way. Like I would have rather it said like high suspicion and then it's cancer. So I already kind of knew and that was what I was going to expect. But I think it was just kind of this like misleading, oh, well, it doesn't seem like anything. And then sure enough, it was. And again, like when I met with the doctor again on the telehealth appointment, he was like, I was surprised. And when I met with the other doctor yesterday before we decided to go with him uh, for the surgery, He's the head of endocrine surgery at UCLA. And he was like, yeah, this does not look like a suspicious nodule. Like, I don't even know if I would have sent you to the biopsy if it weren't for being so big. Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't really look cancerous. And I guess it is what it is. Like, I guess, and, and Ellery says, like, there's just no, why does it matter at this point? Like, there, it doesn't matter. Like, it is what it is. I just think, like, you need to be your own advocate, please. Like, find a good doctor. If you don't like the doctor, 
fire them and go find someone else. And do not stop until you find someone that listens to you, that hears you, and that gives a shit about making sure that you get to the root of what is going on. And that if you trust, if you feel like something is wrong, you need to trust your gut. Because I think so many people just like ignore their inner voice and that like things that, you know, don't seem right and they just ignore it. And that is not okay. Um, please, please check your body. I, as soon as I got diagnosed with this guys, I just immediately was like, and I texted Ellery cause he was downstairs like quarantining with Quinn while I was in bed with Luca. She slept in bed with me that night and I was texting him and I was like, I am going to share the shit out of this. Like I am going to scream this story from the rooftops and I don't care how many people it annoys because this is insane. I am so healthy. I never even have had any thyroid problems. I didn't even know where my thyroid was. And all of a sudden within a matter of three weeks, now I have thyroid cancer and I have to have a procedure. I've never had surgery. I have to go under the knife. I have to, you know, and it's like, yeah, it's, here's another thing I want to say. Okay. It is not okay to minimize people's experiences. Yes, I know thyroid cancer is, is you know, I, I'm not going to die from it. It's very rare that people die from thyroid cancer. It does happen. I do know someone whose dad died from thyroid cancer, but it's not common. Um, it's easy to remove your thyroid. You can live without it because you take synthetic thyroid drugs. I know that I am going to survive this, but saying to someone who just got diagnosed with cancer, who has two young children, you're fine, or you're going to be fine. It's not a big deal. This is the best cancer to have. That's bullshit. I can't deal. I'm sorry. I know that everyone has good intentions, but it really fucking bothers me when people say that. I know I'm going to survive this, but let me sit in my feelings for a second and acknowledge that this really sucks and that this is really terrifying because if it were you and you just found out that you had cancer and I came up to you and went, you're going to be fine. Why are you? It's not a big deal. This is the good cancer. This is the good cancer to have. Don't you know that? It's like, shut the fuck up. I am sorry. I am. And if you're someone who said that to me, please don't take offense to this. I'm kind of joking, half joking, but I think sometimes people don't know what to say in these situations. And all you need to say is this sucks and I see you and I hear you. And if you need something, I'm here, but this really sucks. Not you're going to be fine. And this isn't a big deal. And this is the best cancer to have. Let me make something very clear. No cancer is a good cancer. So you need to stop saying that to people. Okay. I know that it's to be encouraging and to let people know, well, oh, you know, it's not, at least it's not a bad cancer. I get that the intention behind it, but to the person who just had life-changing news, I don't need you to tell me that this is the best cancer to have. Okay. Just, let's just get that out of the way. I just want to use this situation, guys for good. I have, for whatever reason, 50,000 people now following me on Instagram, which is wild. My entire business is built off Instagram thanks to, you know, incredible people who I've worked with who have helped me spread the word about my business and about my coaching. And my life is really heavily involved with social media and sharing, which is, it's, it's a weird time to be alive in 2024, but this is the way it is. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity. And I'm so thankful that I get to have conversations with random people every day about God knows what, whatever it is that we're talking about that day, whether it be parenthood or macros or death or, you know, whatever. I love to talk with people and I love to be able to use my voice for good. And so when something like this happens, it, it needs to be talked about because you guys, if I had not gone to that physical, if I had canceled that appointment, like I almost did, who knows how much longer I would have gone without knowing that I have cancer growing in my neck. I literally have no idea. And if that, I need to call the nurse practitioner now that I think about it. And I need to say, I want to talk to her on the phone because I need to say, thank you. She was so thorough. A lot of nurse practitioners probably would have missed that. And I feel so thankful that she was thorough and found that because she did her job. And that's fantastic because a lot of times things go missed. My OB has never checked my neck. He's an amazing OB. Never checked my neck. They didn't check my neck when I was just there last Monday getting my pap smear. They didn't check my neck then. 
My dentist doesn't check my neck. I've never, ever had a teeth cleaning where they palpate my neck. So it gets missed. And guess what? Thank goodness my cancer is treatable. Thank goodness I don't need chemo and radiation. Thank goodness I can have this surgery and live a healthy life. But what if this was a rare form of breast cancer or brain cancer or pancreatic cancer and it was deadly and someone missed it or you didn't get that follow-up ultrasound or you didn't get the biopsy because you were nervous or you didn't do X, Y, or Z and it's too late. What then? What the fuck are you going to do? You're going to be regretful that you didn't take my advice and do checks and go to your freaking physicals and take it seriously. I understand the medical system is messed up. I understand big pharma. I understand insurance. I get it all. Okay. I understand that it's complicated and that a lot of times you don't feel seen and you don't feel heard, but you can stand up and be your own advocate. And if you don't have a doctor that stands behind you and supports you and, and trusts that when you ask for something, they say, okay, get a freaking new doctor, go somewhere else, bang down the door until someone takes you because It's a matter of life or death. This is not a joke. This is a really, really serious, like your health is everything. And I've always known that. I've known that forever since being a mom, since watching my dad die, since seeing my grandfather fight cancer. My brother had a really big health scare last year. I understand the importance of your health. But now that this is happening, I am just on fire to advocate for early detection. I am going to use the fact that I have a platform, the fact that people are listening to this podcast right now, please check your body and take this seriously. Watch videos on how to do, I'm actually going to post a video soon on how to do a, a check of your throat, of, you know, what to look for, of signs and symptoms. It is just, it is not an option for me to not use this as an opportunity to teach and help other people. Because if I can help one person, guys, the, I've had an outpour of messages, thousands of messages since I posted it. The, the reel that I posted went viral. It's at over 700,000 plays, most of which are not of my followers. So it's obviously got out there to people who don't follow me, which was the point. And I have had hundreds of, I've had thousands of messages, but of those thousands, hundreds of people have said, I haven't had a physical in 15 years. I just booked one today because of you. I have a lump growing on my blah, blah, blah. And I haven't wanted to go and get an ultrasound because I'm nervous, but I just called and scheduled because of you. I could go on and on. It brings me to tears to know that people trust me enough to to let this story influence them to make a good choice about their health. It honestly makes me emotional thinking about it because I just want to help other people. And I just want people to understand that like cancer does not discriminate just because you think you're healthy doesn't mean shit. I'm sorry. Like I'm so I'm, I'm a freaking nutrition coach. Like I'm, I work out religiously. I am incredibly healthy. I have perfect blood work. Um, I, I've, you know, really gotten my hormones in check and my gut health is really awesome. And I, I feel so good and that just doesn't matter. Right. Because if it did, I don't think that I would have thyroid cancer. So please don't think that you are the exception. Every single person has the chance of, of, of being sick. And I just, want you to use this story as a lesson. Please take your health seriously. Please reach out to me if you have any questions. I hope that I was able to go over everything um, in a little bit more detail. I will keep you guys posted. I will do a second episode with an update. Um, I so appreciate your encouragement and your prayers. I am definitely a ball of anxiety. I do not feel like myself, but I'm just taking it a day at a time and I am trusting in God's plan for me. And I know that my family will come out the other side of this stronger. I know it's brought in Ellery and I way closer together. He has been such a rock through this. I literally don't know what I would do without him. He's everything. My family, my friends, my coaching friends, the people who created a beautiful gift basket for me, the 
hundreds of people on Instagram. I, I can't express my gratitude enough. I just don't understand why people care that much um, about me or my life. And I just, I feel overwhelmed and just incredibly grateful. So thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. Share this episode with anyone and everyone um, so that we can help other people detect things early and get their health in check. Thank you so much, guys. Talk soon. 